Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode on Raza, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, with your host, Grace Hopper. Today's episode is on world news in relation to abuse. The independent newspapers, Monday 31st, October 2022. Derby murder of mom and daughter exposes safeguarding measures. Jambasi's ultra-conservative religious and cultural beliefs viewed women as men's property. The durable murder of a mother and daughter exposes laws and safeguarding measures designed to keep women safe are not worth the paper they are written on, warned campaigners. An inquest at Birmingham's coroner's court into the deaths of Kahola Salim, who was 49, and Ranem Ude, her 22-year-old daughter, started on Monday, with the inquest examining the role of police, social services, and other arms of the state before the murder took place. The mother and daughter were stabbed to death by Jambaz Tarin, the second husband of Nanim, outside the home of Kaola in Soliho, a town near Birmingham, in August 2018. Murder came after a horrific campaign of escalating domestic violence, honor-based abuse and stalking from Tarin, the Center for Women's Justice, a legal charity which tackles violence against women, said. Her husband harassed and intimidated her into marrying him in an Islamic ceremony back in April 2017. Tarin came from a fundamentalist Afghani Muslim background, telling her, we don't have divorce in our culture. The day that you will be free from me is the day I will kill you. Applied for a non-molestation order against her husband, which was enforced on him, but the police had yet to be presented with it. Molestation orders can last up to a lifetime. It often restricts where abusers can go or whom they can approach and can be used to prevent a partner or ex-partner from using or threatening violence against a victim or their children. The others were obtained via the civil courts, which many domestic abuse victims taking action against abusers through the civil courts rather than the criminal system because it is a less distressing and less protracted process. Director of the Center for Women's Justice said, whilst there are laws, policies and a range of protective measures available to protect women from male violence, as our police super complaint has shown, time and time again, we see, as in this tragic case, they are not worth the paper they're written on. We hope by shining a light on what went wrong, the inquest into this horrendous loss of life will help galvanize transformational change. Who had one child with Ranin, acted as if he owned her like a possession, assaulting and raping her in that relationship, as well as perpetrating coercive control. Reports of violence meant police had been called to the home they lived in together a number of times, with Ranin attempting to flee Tarin, who was on probation at the time, more than once during their relationship. Tarin once sent her a photo of his forearm, which he had carved her name into, with Rahim perceiving this to be a death threat. Koala and Rahim 
mother and daughter had gone to a nearby shisha bar where Tarin tried to assault both of the women on the night of the murder. He was kicked out, but could be seen miming a slicing motion across his throat. Rahim rang the police and told them of the non-molestation order she had against him, but officers never turned up to help while the pair waited for them at the shisha bar. The pair finally gave up waiting and made their way to Rahim's flat, but discovered they could not get in due to not having keys. They were both frightened and rang the police three times, but police officers ceased to arrive and recommended they go to Koala's house and lock the doors. On getting to Koala's house, the police rang them to say they would come and see them in the morning. While Ranin was talking to the police via phone, Tarin repeatedly stabbed her, with Koala dying while seeking to protect her daughter from Tarin. Three days later, Tarin was arrested before going on to be convicted of the double murder in 2018 and sentenced to a life in prison with a 32-year minimum. Morris, Koala's sister, said after the inquest, she hoped the inquest would secure justice for her deceased relatives, but also called for it to raise awareness of the danger that domestic abuse and coercive control poses to all women, particularly those from different cultures and ethnicities. She also said violence against women must always be taken seriously. Anna Sadiq of South Hall, Black Sisters, which supports Black and minority ethnic women, said, Jambazi's ultra-conservative religious and cultural beliefs viewed women as men's property. He would have regarded the murders as restoring his so-called honor following Ranim's refusal to confirm. Banaz Mahmood, in 2006, was also killed when police did not protect her in the name of cultural and religious sensitivity. It is time to end this heinous crime. Channel4news.com 1st of November 2022 The government must act on the link between domestic abuse and suicide urgently. Risk of sleep deprivation and its impact on mental health and suicide needs to be recognised. Furthermore, the government should act on the link between domestic abuse and suicide by urgently establishing a national database of every woman who takes their own life after suffering abuse, bereaved relatives and campaigners have demanded. The call came following the end of a landmark inquest into the death of Jessica Jesse Laverack, which concluded that the underlying cause of her illness was domestic abuse. This is the first time in the UK that a coroner has explicitly recognised the link between domestic abuse and suicide. The coroner has also written to the Home Secretary to press for the need for the recognition of the link between domestic abuse and suicide at all levels of society. Everak fled more than 50 miles in 2017 to escape her ex-partner, Patrick Walsh, who was accused of subjecting her to violence, sexual abuse and controlling behaviour. On one occasion, the 34-year-old reported being strangled to the point of losing consciousness. Miss Leverack was found dead at her home in Beverley, East Yorkshire, in February 2018. She had reported feeling suicidal to multiple agencies, 
including the police, before her death, saying she was living in fear as her ex-partner attempted to find her. Phyllis Daly fought for an Article 2 inquest, a rarer but more forensic investigation into her daughter's death. Ms. Daly's work led to a significant judgment with Coroner Lorraine Harris saying, the recognition of sodality and its link to domestic abuse was given insufficient weight through her daughter's care. Criticizing the multi-agency failings in the case and the lack of understanding over the risk of suicide, Ms. Harris said, instead of standing alone, they should have been holding hands to form a protective circle around Jesse. In her televised interview since the ruling, Phyllis Daly told Channel 4 News, People need to look at how many victims are out there. Somebody has to start collecting these figures. I think it's going to be a national shock when people start realizing. She described her late daughter as the most beautiful, bubbly, fun person you could ever wish to meet. Adding, I still leave her voicemail so I can hear her voice. Walsh denied ever abusing Miss Everak at the inquest, insisting they very much loved each other and were planning a future together before her death. The inquest also heard how police had charged Mr. Walsh with assaulting Ms. Laverack, but the case was dropped when she withdrew her involvement in the investigation. Harris, the coroner, was so alarmed by the evidence heard about Ms. Laverack's care during the inquest that she also issued a prevention of future deaths report. She has written to the Home Secretary, as well as the Justice Secretary and Health Secretary, to demand improved training and domestic abuse suicide awareness for frontline police officers and other agencies. There is a risk that future deaths could occur unless action is taken, she wrote. The letter was sent at the end of June. Every government department is yet to respond. Extent of domestic abuse related suicide remains relatively unknown, but what research has been done has been described as harrowing. Figures obtained by Channel 4 News last year found that 20% of all the female survivors who entered refugees services between April 2020 and March 2021 had previously attempted to take their own lives, with a further 42% saying they had experienced suicidal thoughts. Recent study by the Home Office and Police Chiefs covering the first year of the pandemic identified 38 domestic abuse-related suicides, although this only focused on those with a reported history of abuse to police, so it's likely a significant underestimation. A Home Office spokesperson insisted that work was being done to count every victim of domestic abuse who takes their own life but could not provide further details. Jesse Leverack's case has fueled calls for a more urgent national strategy to collate comprehensive data and protect the mental health of victims. A spokesperson for Refuge said, Refuge calls for death by suicide as a result of domestic abuse to be recorded in the domestic homicide stats and to be subject to domestic homicide reviews. It is rare that perpetrators are persecuted for their culpability when a survivor dies by suicide and this must change. Perpetrators must be held to account. Sadly, Head of Policy at Women's Aid said, it is critical that where someone has died by suicide and there has been a known history of domestic abuse, it is recognized as a victim suicide. The spokesperson added, deaths 
related to domestic abuse are a tragedy and we are committed to working across government to fully support all victims and survivors who have escaped from domestic abuse. What are your thoughts on this, on this particular topic? Kindly leave a comment at risingaboveshadowsofabuse at gmail.com. Thank you. Mirror News. A man shoots dead work colleague in company car park after she refuses his advances. Published on October 28th, 2022 by Liam Buckler. USA. Michael Carpenter, 36, shot Nicole Hammond in the neck at their workplace in St. Cloud, Minnesota, after waiting for his co-worker to get out of the car as he left her to bleed. Eyewitnesses told the police he killed her with a single shot to her neck when she was getting out of the car. After shooting her, he jogged back to his vehicle and drove off as he left her in a pool of blood. Mr. Carpenter was charged with second-degree murder after prosecutors said mobile phone recordings show him harassing his victim. The colleagues told police Mr. Carpenter had made several unwanted attempts to date Ms. Hammond over recent months, but she rejected them. Employer claims none of these incidents were reported to the company. Boss Rob Dubo said, Unfortunately, we had no idea. Anytime there is anything that requires our intervention, we step in. But in this case, we had no indication that there was anything awry. He paid tribute to Nicole, who had a great work ethic and a tremendous attitude, which everyone loved. Added, Nicole always had a smile on her face, and anybody who had any association with her couldn't help but like her. The victim, Nicole, according to phone logs, had sent messages to Mr. Carpenter, telling him she did not want him to touch her or manipulate her. She pleaded with him to not make things uncomfortable at work. Mr. Carpenter told police he had argued with the victim the night before the shooting and admitted he was at the car park at the time of the shooting. After he waited for her to leave her car, he shot her and immediately fled the scene without telling police or calling an ambulance. His car was searched and a loaded 9mm handgun was found, which matched the shelling casing found next to the co-worker. His colleagues further said, Mr. Carpenter had a bad temper. He faces up to 40 years in prison if found guilty of second-degree murder. Women should be able to go to work without being hit on by their co-workers. Women should be able to say they aren't interested in someone without worrying about being murdered. 31st October 2022 The Sun Reported by Aliki Krateirao, Turkey. Horrendous moment, killer husband lures pregnant wife to Rocky Cliff Edge for selfie before pushing her off. The footage shows Haken Eisler, 40, leading his wife Semra, 32, to the Butterfly Valley in Molgla, Turkey, moments before shoving her off the edge. She was plunged 1,000 feet below. Semra, who was afraid of heights, was lured by her husband with the pretext of taking a selfie together before pushing her. A chilling video captured by a tourist nearby just moments before the tragedy emerged was the evidence needed. 
They can be seen standing behind a rock as they gazed out at the Mediterranean. The passerby Recept Sahin, who filmed the video, claimed at the time he had seen Isla acting strangely and predicted that one of the pair would fall off the cliff. The passerby told the court, I stopped there to see the view of Kabak Bay with my family. My daughter was filming the view with my phone and the ale-cell couple came down the slope at the moment. We even joked either this man would throw the woman off or the woman would throw the man. There was no interaction between them. Another witness said Aesol appeared unusually calm after the incident. He said, I was driving there when I saw someone was waving at me and I stopped. Haken came and said his wife had fallen down the cliff. We immediately got out of the car and started looking for her, but we couldn't see where she would have landed from where we were. We tried to get closer to the edge for a better look. Haken did not come with us down there. We stayed there until the gendarmerie arrived. Haken was very carefree and calm. He was not acting like a man whose wife just had fallen off a cliff. Following his wife's death, Aesol took out loans in her name as well as personal accident insurance of over £40,000. It was rejected when police announced an investigation into Simra's death. The victim's brother, named Yoko, said at a previous hearing, when we went to the Forensic Medicine Institute to get the body, Haken was sitting in the car. My family and I were destroyed, but Haken did not even appear sad. He added, My sister was always against taking out loans. However, after she died, we learned that she had three loans taken by Haken on behalf of my sister. Haken had a fear of heights. What extreme sport is she going to be doing when she's scared of heights? Aesol was initially sentenced to at least 30 years for the killing, but he attempted to challenge the verdict. The Fatia High Criminal Court rejected a last-minute insanity plea after medics from the 4th Specialization Department of Forensic Medicine confirmed he was in good mental health at the time of the killing. His aggravated life sentence has been upheld, meaning he will serve at least 30 years in prison. Aesol was planning to cash in a life insurance policy in his wife's name. Monday, 31st October 2022. Independent News. Reported by Alicia Rahman Sarkar. Taliban whipped women protesting for their right to study. Women were whipped by the Taliban for protesting for their right to education after they were denied entry to a university in northeastern Afghanistan for not wearing the burqa. Videos was shared on social media showing women students being assaulted by the Taliban government's vice and virtue personnel outside the gates of Badakashan University on Sunday. One of the guards had been seen chasing after students with a whip to disperse the crowd, banging on the gates for the authorities to allow them to enter. Students claim they were denied entry inside the university for not wearing a bukhar, the Taliban mandated dress code for women. The protesting women in dozens wearing long black dresses and headscarves chanted slogans of access to education, access to education. Nakibula Kwazi Zada, 
the president of the university, acknowledged the crackdown on students by the Taliban's vice and virtue officer and assured them the student request will be realized, Kamar Press reported. The short gate in front of the students was taken by the guidance committee of the university. Since wrestling power on 15th August last year, the Taliban have been clamping down on women's rights by barring them access to public spaces and education. The Islamist militants in May ordered all Afghan women to wear an all-covering burqa in public that veils their faces in one of the harshest attacks on women's rights. The group has also prohibited girls from attending school above the sixth standard for over a year, prompting women to stage protests across the country. Last week, Afghan women staged protests in front of several schools in different areas of the capital, Kabul, against the closures of secondary and high schools for girls. The demonstrators held placards with the slogan, Education Without Fair. This month, women protesting over the suicide bombing of an education centre in Kabul a few days ago were beaten and even shot at by Taliban fighters, eyewitnesses said. The Taliban security forces opened fire to disperse the demonstration outside the Kaj Educational Center, a Hazara-dominant neighborhood in western Kabul, where a group of women aged between 18 to 24 were staging a protest. What are your views and your thoughts about this? Kindly relate them by sending an email to rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com. Monday, 31st October 2022, Independent Newspapers, reported by Skravasti Dasgupta, India. Indian Supreme Court bans use of patriarchal two finger test in rape cases. The Indian Supreme Court has prohibited the use of the two-finger test in rape cases and asked the federal government and the states to ensure that the controversial practice is stopped. A two-judge bench comprising Justice D.Y. Chandra Chud and Hima Kohli lashed out at the continued use of the practice despite repeated interventions by the Apex Court. This court has time and again deprecated the use of two-finger tests in cases alleging rape and sexual assault. The so-called test has no scientific basis. It instead re-victimizes and re-traumatizes women. The two-finger test must not be conducted. The test is based on an incorrect assumption that a sexually active woman cannot be raped. Nothing can be further from the truth, reported Life Law. Judgment came while overturning a ruling by the Telangana High Court acquitting a rape and murder case. In restoring the conviction, the top court upheld the trial court's decision that held the accused guilty. The native value of a woman's testimony does not depend on her sexual history. It is patriarchal. It is patriarchal ancestors to suggest that a woman cannot be believed when she states that she was raped merely because she is sexually active, the bench added. Also directed that all curriculum related 
to the test be removed from government and private hospitals. The Human Rights Watch has described the test as evasive, humiliating and inhumane. It involves inserting two fingers into the vagina for doctors to then assess its laxity before making a conclusion on whether the woman has had sex. Following the 2012 gang rape and murder of a student in Delhi, which sparked widespread outrage and protests, the federal government had amended the Criminal Laws Amendment Act 2013 and made the two-finger test illegal. The Supreme Court had held that the practice of using the test was unconstitutional. However, the test continued to be used in several states. The bench on Monday also directed that workshops should be conducted to healthcare providers to communicate appropriate procedures while examining cases of sexual assault. While the Apex Court's judgment had been hailed, some have also expressed dismay at the continued use of the practice. People retorted, It's a shame this patriarchal act is still being done in the country, despite the ban since 2013. What are your thoughts? What are your views? Leave a comment. 28 October 2022, reported by Will Stewart and Aliki Kretewa, the Sun newspapers. Crimea, Ukraine. A dad who caught his pedo pal raping a six-year-old daughter and forced him to kill himself has been released from prison after serving only six months. The furious dad, Cheslev. Matrosov, 35, knifed friend Oleg Sivridov, 32, and forced him to dig his own grave after finding graphic footages of the sex act on his phone. The 35-year-old led his pal into a Russian forest where he stopped him and made him dig his own grave. The pedophile died soon afterwards. Following the fight with Mastro Sof, who secretly buried his corpse in the unmarked grave. Investigators concluded that Sivridov took his own life in the forest. The father posted a picture with his wife, Natalia, 35, with the words, Home, love very much. Matrosov was initially held on suspicion of murder, but it was later dropped. In April, he was convicted of inciting his friend to suicide by Kastroninsky court in Samara and sentenced to 18 months in jail. But now, the term was being cut short. Mastroshov, a former rocket engine factory worker, could have been jailed for 15 years if he had been charged with murder. The father is said to have flown into a rage after finding a graphic mobile phone video of his best pal, Strividov, making the child performed sex acts. The dad was hailed a hero by locals in the village of Pribri Zenoye, who even raised funds for his initial legal fees. A petition signed by 2,500 people demanded that he should be fully acquitted. They supported him for saving our children by ridding us of a child sex attacker. Is close to the case said that detailed forensic evidence showed that Mastrosov had not stabbed Sivridov in a forest where the dead man's body was found later in the makeshift grave. There are claims Sivridov was given an ultimatum to go to the police and confess to sexually abusing the girl 
or face the father's wrath. A relative said Siridov was seen badly beaten on the day in September 2021. He disappeared more than a week before his body was found in the makeshift grave near Vital village. Two other children in the village are said to have been abused by Siridov. What are your thoughts? Comments. If you've been affected by this news, kindly seek for professional help. Leave your comments or thoughts and send an email to rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com. This has been Grace Opa for Razar, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. See you on the next episode. Be positive and always be safe. Take care and bye for now. Happy birthday, Raza. Rising above shadows of abuse. It was your first birthday on the 1st of November 2022. Thank you to all our listeners. Previous podcast guests would be collaborators and sponsors. Our heartfelt gratitude is to God Almighty. And we pray that Raza grows from strength to strength and our society and the world will be rid of any forms of abuse, be it sexual, domestic violence, modern day slavery, human trafficking, ETC. Hip, 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 hooray. Hip, 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 hooray. Hip, 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 hooray. More of Raza. More of Raza. More of Raza. Rising above shadows of abuse. We rise daily. Thank you.